Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjay Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjay Gall. Hello and welcome to CTN. To learn more about the show, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And the topic for today is AI-driven future. Workforce evolution in the automation era. So what are we talking about here? So we've had this fusion going on between the automation, robotics, and AI. And frankly, it's reshaping many industries. And also, workforce makeup is also shifting. So when we are trying to have the IT leaders uh, spearhead this trans- transition into from a regular worker to digital plus human workers plus automation, we got to figure out how much of that technology do we introduce and at what pace and in what ways so that the workforce can adopt to it. So we have challenges and or at least some hurdles to get over. You got upskilling that you need to do to learn all these new things, how to exploit them. Then at the same times when you're deploying technology, you got some ethical concerns And then since we are bringing so much innovation and so much newness into the very mix of how work will get done, you got to have learning happen on an ongoing basis. And that requires a fundamental building of culture of that lifelong learning that everyone must adopt for us to stay afloat. So while on one hand, AI shows great potential, and organizations are trying to uh, use it to, on one hand, optimize operation. On the other side, they are trying to uh, do innovation. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that you build a workforce, not only which works for today, but actually it is a future-proof kind of workforce, which is agile and meets the demands and the needs of what the organization wants. Well, not an easy task. And for that, uh, I've invited Christine Myers, who is the Executive Vice President, Chief Digital and Information Officer, and the Dean for Digital and Information Technology for Mount Sinai Health System. Hey, Christine, how are you? Well, how are you? Very good, very good. It's an honor to have you on our show. Now, the topic is not new. It's, I think, the top of our mind every day we are seeing innovation happening. When you, so my, my first question is to kind of, uh, set the state. So yes, a lot of newness is happening. Automation is a little older. I would say, yes, we are still making strides there. And now we are bringing AI into the mix as well. When we are trying to look at uh, human-machine collaboration, let's talk about that as a context. How cryptic is it for someone to determine what to give to machine or what to strive to give it to a machine versus human and how they will uh, you know, run point on these things? what you do in a business? Look, I think that senior technology leaders need to work very closely with their teams and the stakeholders in the business to understand existing processes and functions in order to identify you know, the value, what is suitable for automation or AI integration. And you know, there are areas that have, quite frankly, higher potential. You need to look at repetitive, high volume and manual processes like data entry or processing, 
or other user interface interactions between applications. And I think that, you know, robotic process automation is a great technology to leverage for this type of automation. And, you know, we have a program at Mount Sinai focused on this and have been able to save around 75,000 hours annually uh, just through looking at automations uh, on, you know, these repetitive high volume uh, manual processes. Also, uh, looking at data analysis and insights. So the ability to leverage, you know, AI and ML algorithms to analyze large volumes of data, you know, to analyze and identify patterns and make predictions and generate insights, uh, which can be used across many areas. And we have a clinical innovation data science team that builds and operationalizes you know, decision support applications to improve clinical quality, safety, and the patient experience. I also think software testing, so the ability to generate test cases, uh, simulate user interactions, and identifying bugs to help streamline uh, the testing process. Uh, cybersecurity and fraud detection uh, can help with uh, anomaly detection, threat identification, and response. AI algorithms can continuously monitor networks, detect suspicious activities, and assist in mitigating cybersecurity risks and fraudulent activities. Um, you know, we think about, you know, the world that, um, you know, of retail, and we see AI-powered chatbots and virtual assistants um, that can handle support inquiries and troubleshoot technical issues. And, you know, we've been able to implement that in the healthcare setting here. And I also think that um, programming, anything that can help with code generation and other simple uh, coding tasks uh, are probably examples of uh, areas that have high potential. Now, when you, when you talk about, uh, you know, you've actually very carefully and very neatly compartmentalized that this we can give to AI versus this we keep to humans which essentially was to some extent also done when we started this whole RPA and automation things, right? Where, where we said, okay, so we can automate this part, which will relieve uh, humans to do something more with their time or better with their time. Now, automation is one thing, but AI is a different animal again, because there we are not just relying to make it an aid, but fundamentally to take over because we are essentially saying there is some more intelligence built in. Would you say that is this a clear compartmentalization, a good idea because AI is evolving? And if you start compartmentalizing and accordingly start building skills in the workforce, which you know could soon be replaced with AI, then that is a throwaway work and a lot of resources wasted. If you don't know where AI is going and you hold back on people building their skills in that area because uh, we, we were wrong about what AI will evolve to, that means that's a lost opportunity because suddenly these humans are not able to perform at the speed of business. What have you done or what are you trying to do to get become near accurate? You cannot have a crystal ball, but what can you do to bring more accuracy to this understanding of evolution so that you can carefully and more practically build capabilities in AI and or whatever is coming your way in terms of the evolution that's happening in this space and, and perfect pair it with 
the human capability development? Yeah, I think that there are many things that technology leaders need to do to maximise the potential of, you know, the human-machine collaboration, uh, quite frankly, to drive organisational success. It all starts with the strategy, you know, having a clear vision, objectives in alignment with the enterprise goals. And, you know, we have to understand, identify, prioritise and measure the value of that AI human machine collaboration opportunities. And again, this isn't just about technology. Uh, you have to collaborate with the business. And, you know, this is a change in, you know, how we work. And, you know, we have to obtain support, buy-in and full adoption from our stakeholders. Um, it's really important to ensure we can maximize results. You also have to promote a culture of innovation. So fostering an environment where people are open to adopting new technologies and, you know, encouraging, um, you know, really that there, there are AI solutions out there um, and other innovative technologies and solutions we should be looking at. Uh, we also have to invest in training. Uh, it's technology is changing so rapidly. It's keeping and keeping up is difficult. So we have to invest and we are investing in upskilling our employees um, to be able to understand uh, AI uh, in more detail. And, you know, also topics around data literacy. And, you know, we have to be able to train our teams to work alongside uh, automation and AI systems because, you know, all of our employees, including the executives, um, which is myself, need to have a continuous learning mentality. Uh, we have to be able to stay relevant and ahead I also think that we have to ensure ethical use. So again, you know, when we talk about AI, this is extremely important. Um, we need to make sure that these technologies are used ethically, responsibly, and safety. And there have to be governance um, controls, guidelines in place to ensure the appropriate use of these technologies. And, you know, we've had an AI ethics committee in place uh, for the last year. Uh, that reviews all models um, that go through the intake process, whether it's vendor um, models or whether it is internally developed um, models. And then you have to measure the value realization. So measuring the impact, the value and other key performance indicators is critical to identify areas of improvement, tracking progress, monitoring performance, uh, to make sure that, you know, there are expected value and outcomes and that they're actually being achieved. Now, what you just mentioned here, um, one is the strategy, another is on the ground when you're trying to do it. What challenges are you facing with this calibration, if you will? You know, again, I think that um, it's a change management exercise. I think it's a change management exercise within my own department. Uh, the technology department, and it's also a change management exercise uh, with, you know, our team members, um, our clinical teams, you know, who are starting to adopt this technology. And we need to make sure that, you know, as this technology is being deployed, that they're understanding what it is and how it's going to be useful to them and that it works correctly. And I think that, you know, with implementations around this, you really, you really have one shot to make sure that, um, you know, the implementation goes well 
and that, you know, it's actually adopted. You know, the worst thing that can happen is you can invest in technology and deploy it and either nobody uses it or uh, the results uh, are not there from a value realisation perspective. And then, you know, and there's no adoption. Uh, So, you know, I think that, you know, the challenge is really around the change management piece, the human factors. So interestingly, the uh, the human factor uh, is a big issue, as you know, this is the only fuzzy thing left for us to tackle, right? Because we, we have kind of built science around the people, uh, the process and the technology part, people are only the fuzzy science. And now here, because we are dealing with humans, and we are doing change management, is there something that uh, you've tried to do in the recent past or as the automation came uh, into the mix, I think a couple of years ago, so that we are not just tinkering, we start producing value from it or is it still in the labs and sandbox? No, this is not in the labs and um, sandbox. You know, this is out in production. I think that, again, being metrics-based is extremely important um, and, you know, looking at the return on investment um, and, you know, being able to, you know, present that in a way that, you know, our chief strategy officer or our finance officer, you know, can understand. And, you know, we have, you know, many predictive models in place, whether it be uh, sepsis, malnutrition, um, you know, predicting falls. And, you know, we've been able to, you know, generate and show that, you know, these predictive models when used generate a return on investment. So again, I think that, you know, technology leaders need to work with the business, um, but, you know, just being very clear about measuring the value uh, is extremely important. If you had to uh, take a step back and say, now the ROI metric that we're talking about, right? Because you, you, you're making investments. So people are, um, the, the executive uh, leadership will be saying, okay, you're going to invest like any other traditional form of investment. I would need an ROI metric. But do you think realistically, are we at a point yet in this adoption where something which is so unprecedented that you actually put a number and live up to it? Yes. I mean, you have to. Uh, in, in my view. Otherwise, you know, you, implementing technology for technology's sake, you know, I don't agree with. I think that it needs to add value. And as a technology leader, you need to be able to articulate uh, what that value is going to be in a very clear and concise way. And it also, you know, you need to be able to show, you know, is there going to be a financial ROI? I mean, these are the questions Uh, that, you know, from my perspective, need to be answered. And, you know, healthcare, as you're probably well aware, uh, is in a very uh, challenging place uh, post-COVID. And, you know, 60 to 65% of all health systems across the country, um, you know, have a negative margin. Uh, So being a, it's more and more important to be able to articulate what a return on investment is with technology across the board. And I think AI is no different. 
And when you are trying to make this metric in or the ROI calculation, are you presenting to your executives and the board a soft metric which says, okay, it brings less stress to my people? Or yeah. does it come up as a hard metric also where you say, okay, I created a better patient outcome. I got this person or, or this team to do projects sooner, which is essentially money saved, which is money earned. What, what kind of, give us, give us an idea about the kind of metric that you're using to demonstrate the ROI. Yeah, look, I mean, it can be uh, soft metrics around either patient experience or workforce experience, you know, reducing burnout. Um, or, it, and actually, um, not an or, is the financial, um, the hard ROI. And, you know, I think that it's important to be able to articulate both. And so we have a process where, you know, the technology team work really closely with our finance team and our um, chief strategy office team, you know, to make sure that we're all very clear on, you know, what the ROI is going to be and what is going to be presented moving forward so that we can all stack hands on it and say, yes, you know, we are in agreement with this. And I think that's important. It should not be just, you know, an isolated, you know, ROI, you know, completed in the technology group. Uh, you need that collaboration um, between teams, especially the finance team and the business team, um, that, you know, the value that we're saying we're, you know, actually harvesting is actually happening. Okay, so let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's talk about specifically what reskilling or upskilling or rather, uh, you know, to, to for this workforce, for them to get truly ready to go hand in hand, shoulder to shoulder with AI to create the most value. What would that look like? So let's discuss that more when we come back. Please stay tuned. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, uh, in your context, let's paint a context first in about like, the kind of skills that you truly need among the workers that you are at least dealing with as an organization? And where have you identified specific tweaks in terms of reskilling and upskilling, which will be to make them more uh, compatible with the AI enablement or the digital workforce? Look, this I is think the AI it, tools and bots. Yeah, sure. I think it requires, you know, a very... A thoughtful approach. Uh, I think that organizations have to be able to 
you know, develop appropriate policies and guidelines around the use and management of the technologies um, that are safe and ethical and responsible. And, you know, as we upskill and reskill our employees, you know, we need to also include, you know, ethical considerations in the training. You know, topics like AI ethics, uh, privacy, uh, data protection, and responsible use of technology. Also, you know, promoting that culture of ethical awareness and responsibility uh, through training and, you know, raising the awareness around potential biases or unintended consequences and, you know, just encouraging that critical thinking about the ethical implications of their work. Um, you know, we also have to encourage employee feedback and engagement through different channels to share concerns about AI, ethical use and key challenges. And I think that, you know, being transparent um, and having that bi-directional communication, you know, really allows us to be able to address issues and concerns effectively. Now, so the things that you mentioned are, uh, you know, the ethical issues and, and that is more training so that we get them to become conscious of things they might unknowingly or unintentionally do. Now, that's that's something which is very important, as you rightly said, to, to kind of have them start behaving in the right manner. But then if you were to look at the reskilling and upskilling, right, specific ones, where do you think uh, a worker today in healthcare, whether technology worker or a business worker, is doing uh, things which could very well be done with AI, but then now that they'll have some breathing room, they could do something different and or their current position would be rendered redundant and that's what but they're good workers they're keepers so you're finding ways to get them to redefine their career path and or career goals and then help them reskill or retool them to make them productive and effective for as a part of the workforce where which are the top candidates there let's start there yeah, look, I think that um, AI is truly amazing, but, you know, at this point, um, you know, they're, you know, the, they're working side, AI is working side by side with, with humans. It's not taking over, you know, full roles. And I think that, you know, we have to emphasize, you know, qualities of our employees that AI cannot do. Um, which is pretty critical in, you know, the communication and messaging around this. So, you know, skills around, you know, problem solving, critical thinking, empathy, and, you know, what employees bring to the table. And I think so AI is really meant to augment their work and capabilities. And I think that that's extremely important to continuously emphasise um, you have to define the roles and responsibilities and be very clear about, you know, what the technology does and what the human worker is expected to do. So establishing clear boundaries and expectations, I think, will lead to um, better outcomes. And again, you know, training and education is critical to employees and, you know, a better understanding of the technology. I think that fear and distrust uh, will reduce and, 
you know, we just recently, um, last week, even had uh, a tech talk on GPT, um, just and brought in Microsoft, you know, really to ensure that, you know, we're providing education uh, to our employees on, you know, the latest technology. And we have monthly uh, meetings with, you know, our employees on, you know, the latest technologies that we're deploying, et cetera. And I think that, you know, again, that's really important from a communication and change management perspective. People are very interested. So if you were to go ahead and start um, making investments, what does your proposal look like to your CFO on one hand, CHRO on the other? So when you talk about you know, upskilling and reskilling, because I'm sure there is some collaboration that's going on. And like, say, let's take, for example, your own department, right? So for your department, what is your proposal and how is that being uh, met and or considered? What feedback and or pushback are you getting from your uh, executive management when you're saying, okay, this is what my vision is for my team with respect to bringing AI and human workers on the same page and or get them to work together properly? Look, we have a huge amount of support um, in the organization around doing this. As I said, you know, we have been, you know, trying to automate, um, you know, less complex processes for a very long time. And, you know, again, um, you know, in terms of steps, it's always about transparent communication and making sure that, you know, you, it, it's critical to have clear explanations, expectations, you know, support mechanisms and what the next steps are. And I think that that helps alleviate anxiety and fear because I think the first, you know, question really is, well, is this going to, you know, take my job or, you know, what will I be doing in the future? So I think that you've got to be able to clearly articulate that. Again, employee engagement and feedback. So making sure you've got multiple channels for employees to reach out, um, providing training. So training again, making sure that employees understand AI, its role and how it impacts the work and, you know, equipping employees with the knowledge and skills, I think reduces fear and uncertainty. Um, making sure that, you know, we've got support resources in place um, if people want, you know, counselling services or employee assistant programs. Um, again, conducting engagement surveys, so continuously assessing the impact of transition, um, you know, through surveys and focus groups and check-ins and other channels. So, again, you know, having, a, I think, a comprehensive um, strategy that, you know, executives are working with, you know, their HR department, um, is extremely important, um, but it can't just be implementing the technology without the change management plan um, that goes around it. If you were to say the top concerns and or pet peeves that the humans are raising besides the potential job loss in terms of you trying to have them agree and accept that, hey, AI is going to be part of our lives and that will become a part of the workforce which you'll have to work collaboratively with in whatever way, not just we look at it as a as a tool. What is it that you're hearing? What what when you talked about change management, what are you managing when it comes to the pet peeves and the pushbacks and the resistance, a passive and aggressive resistance from the, the humans that you have in your workforce? Well, 
Look, I think the first, which you mentioned, um, the top one is always about the jobs. Um, I think that that's like the number one priority. And I think once you get past um, that, it's around, you know, AI ethics, privacy, uh, data protection, responsible use of technology, you know, just making sure that, you know, that there, there isn't bias in the models and, you know, making sure that they're accurate. I think that that's, that's the other concern is ensuring, you know, that these technologies are working appropriately. So, again, I would say it's around um, the ethics, um, but also, you know, are these going to work practically um, and improve, improve their world? You had to go ahead and, and, of course, when you had started this initiative with AI coming into play and where you are today. Uh, you think you're kind of done with, with, I know change management is ongoing, but are you at a stable state or there is some turbulence which you still have to tackle? Look, technology is changing every single day. Um, so, you know, for example, um, you know, when uh, GPT was announced, um, large language models, again, you know, this has created uh, another uh, area where, you know, we need to, and we are, you know, updating our entire AI governance committee, uh, making sure that, um, you know, it's not just, you know, the ethics we're looking at, you know, we're looking at the specific use cases around large language models. Uh, so my point would be is that technology is changing so rapidly that, you know, you're never, you're never done. Um, you've got to be uh, nimble. Uh, you've got to make sure that you're constantly evaluating your intake process, um, you know, your overall governance and the change management um, that's appropriate for the technology and, you know, making sure that it's up to date. Now, one last question for you, which is around... Uh, like at a, at a commercial level, people are doing what they're doing, right? As as uh, individual organizations trying to make the most of this technology. What do you think is your appeal and or what your, first of all, let's take what is the current state of where the government is and the industry standards are with healthcare because that's a regulated industry, right? So with respect to bringing AI, especially when lives are at stake and what's your appeal and or what's your expectation from these policies and standards in terms of where do they get to in terms of evolution that they can realistically be safely and consistently applied for the for the best outcome for all parties involved? Yeah, I think technology leaders uh, need to actively engage in policy discussions and industry collaborations to, you know, really help shape the government policies and, you know, make sure that, you know, we have a fair and responsible transition uh, towards an AI-driven future of workforce. And some areas, from my perspective, are really around data and security. So being able to, you know, contribute to the formulation of policies and regulations regarding that, um, you know, industry collaboration. So participating you know, in industry collaborations and consortiums that focus on AI ethics and workforce implications, uh, developing best practices, industry-wide standards and frameworks and guidelines. 
um, policy advocacy. So making sure that, you know, we're advocating for policies that promote responsible AI adoption and addressing potential workforce challenges. Um, you know, being able to participate from a thought leadership perspective um, around expertise and experiences related to AI um, and um, DEI advocacy. Um, so advocating for policies and initiatives that are promoting uh, diversity and inclusion in AI development and adoption. So making sure that there, you know, really is no bias in the models. So I think that technology leaders really need to get involved here um, to help help the government um, put the standards in place. Once again, thank you so much, Christine, for sharing your insights about how uh, the government, the academia, the you know commercial institutions, enterprises are able to collaborate so that we are able to bring um, AI-related or AI-driven future to a reality, get the workers to start working alongside the AI-enabled capabilities and bring the absolute best outcome for the commerce and the community. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And listeners, please connect with us on social media, subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjog All. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.